official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. Good morning. So the last few weeks, we've been talking about ways in which Scripture uses nature to describe our relationship with God. Scripture uses nature from cover to cover to talk about God and who He is and how we relate to Him and how He relates to us. We see this from the very first chapter of Genesis all the way through the last chapter of the book, Revelation 22. And some Bible scholars would even go so far Uh, to say that the entire redemption story can be summarized by what takes place in four different gardens. And so what I did this morning is I I have four different types of soil here. I have some sand, some topsoil, some gravel, and then some clay on the far end. Because the Bible talks a lot about gardening and dirt and soil and planting seeds in the ground, and fruit. And and we find these words popping up all through Scripture, from the first chapter to the last. And really, if we try to summarize the, the story of redemption, we can look at four gardens that pop up in the Bible. The first one, of course, is where? The Garden of Eden, right? In the book of Genesis. The Garden of Eden is where Adam and Eve walked with God, it says, in the cool of the day. They experienced God's creation. They experienced this world of wonder in its complete fullness. But what happens is they fall victim to temptation. They reject God and his shalom. Sin and death enter into the world. And in the world that God created lost some of its luster. Uh, as beautiful as creation is and how it speaks of who God is and speaks to, of his heart, um, it's somewhat fractured and tainted. And we can point back all the way to the Garden of Eden to that. The second garden that we find that's significant in Scripture is the Garden of Gethsemane. Who remembers what happens in the Garden of Gethsemane? It's where Jesus is, is he fully commits to God's will, right? He he overcomes temptation and willingly goes to the cross to defeat sin and conquer death. And it's through his death and resurrection that makes the restoration of all things possible. In the book of Romans, it, it, it tells us a little bit about this. It says that all of creation is groaning and it's eagerly waiting. What's it waiting for? Romans tells us it's waiting for our redemption and restoration to be fully realized. Could you imagine what a, a, a healed world in creation would look like? I mean, I look out this window sometimes when we're worshiping and not paying attention to what's happening in here. I'm just looking out there and I'm thinking, dang, that's so beautiful. There's mountains and lakes and trees and it's so gorgeous. And this is like the fractured version of creation. The prophet Isaiah prophesies what, he talks about what it would look like when heaven and earth merge and when God heals our world in creation. He says this in the second chapter that people will will beat their swords into plowshares, that they'll take their spears and they'll turn them into pruning hooks because there's so much resources 
There won't be any more war. He goes on in chapter 11 to say, even the animals will get along. He says, the lion will lay down with the lamb. The children will play next to a cobra's den. Randy Alcorn wrote a book called Heaven, and in this book, uh, he talks about what it will look like when heaven and earth merge together. And he says that we're going to see beauty and colors that we didn't even know existed. And we're just going to bask in them. Can you imagine that? Like how beautiful is creation now? Think of a fully restored and redeemed one, right? Well, then we have the third garden in scripture, which is the garden tomb. And that's, of course, where Jesus was buried after his crucifixion and where he was resurrected three days later. And when you read that story in the Gospels, what you find is is that Mary is walking to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body, and she runs into the resurrected Jesus, but she mistakes him to be a gardener. Isn't that interesting? That the first encounter the resurrected Jesus has with another human being, he's confused to be a gardener. And then, of course, the last reference, major reference of a garden in Scripture is the garden city of God in Revelation 22. If you haven't read Revelation 22 sometime this week, go and read it. It explains uh, uh, this garden city where the human story comes to fruition, where the world is made right again, where heaven and earth merge together, and it says God dwells among his creation forever and ever. And so we can look at those four gardens and really see the whole redemptive story. And it appears that God has a certain affinity for gardens. So all of you who are gardening today, rehabilitating those community gardens, you're in good company. God loves gardens. He loves to work in gardens. He loves to meet people in gardens. And so I believe he'll he'll do that for you. Um, In fact, there is a parable that Jesus tells about gardening and about sowing seeds and about soil and about planting and about fruit. It's in Mark chapter 4. I'm going to read it this morning. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 3. Jesus said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell among the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. And then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And so Jesus tells a parable about planting and seeds and sowing and, and, and He says, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed the seed, and it fell on four different types of ground, four different types of soil. So I have my four jars here to kind of represent these four different types of ground and soil. Now, the word fell there is really important to understand because we see the word fell, and it appears accidental. It appears that it was mistakenly dropped. That's not what the word fell actually means here in the original language. The word fell on these four grounds, it has the idea of seed being generously flung into the air, and it lands in these 
four grounds. And there's four different types of soil. It says some lands on a path. And so it's packed down. And it, and it couldn't receive the seed because it was hard. And so the birds came and ate it. And then the other seed landed on rocky soil where it couldn't take root. It was shallow. It, it, it started off good, but the heat came and scorched it and withered it up. And then it says some seed landed on thorny ground. And the thorns stole the source of water and they choked out the life from the plants. And then, lastly, he says, some seed landed on good soil. It produced 30 and 60 and 100 fold. Well, later on in the chapter, you find out that Jesus and his disciples are alone shortly after he teaches this parable. And they ask him about it because they don't understand what it means. So they said, can you tell us about this parable? And so Jesus explains for them the meaning of the parable in Mark chapter 4, and he starts out by saying this, the seed is the word of God. See, just like seed is, is creative by nature, it's intrinsically designed to grow and produce something. Jesus is comparing the seed to the word of God because the word of God is also creative, right? Its objective is to manufacture and propagate life. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that the word of God is living and it's active, right? There's life intrinsically in it. And so what is the soil in, in Jesus' parable? Well, he explains to us that it's, real, it's the human heart. He goes on to describe that these four different soils represent four kinds of people. And it revolves around the idea that, that the quality of the soil can limit the fruitfulness of the seed. See, see, I have four jars of dirt or soil here, right? I have sand, and I have some topsoil, and I have some gravel, and I have some clay. And, and we could take the same kind of seed, and we could plant it in these four jars, and we can give them the exact same amount of water. We can make sure they get the exact same amount of sunlight. But what grows in those soil jars will be limited by the quality of the soil. Right? Same seed, same sunshine, same water, but the seed can be limited by the quality of the soil. And here's what Jesus is teaching in this parable, that God is this generous farmer. And he's generously flinging seed, his word, right? So when he sows seed into your life, it's not a mistake, it's not an accident when his word kind of falls on your heart. That being said, the, the soil condition of our heart matters, right? And so let's dig into this parable a little bit, because in the following verses, Jesus explains to his disciples what these four soils represent. And he starts in verse 15. He says, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So again, what kind of soil is this? It's pathway soil. It's compact. It's been packed down and hardened by, by people walking on it. And so the seed can't penetrate it. And because the seed can't get into the ground, Jesus says the enemy comes and snatches it away. So this soil, this first soil that Jesus is talking about, 
represents the person with a hard heart. They can't receive what God wants to grow in them because they've been stepped on too many times. They've been let down by God. They've been walked on by others, right? They've been wounded. They've been trampled on. They've been stepped on. They've been injured by their circumstances, disappointed by their own failures and the failures of others. And in that process, they've become bitter. They've allowed their heart to be hardened. And here's the thing about bitterness. Once you allow bitterness to harden your heart, you unknowingly forfeit the new future that God wants to make for you. Because bitterness will always demand that you live in the past and surrender your future. Here's what bitterness does. It walks all over you anytime it wants. And it packs you down. Right? You think about disappointments in your life. You think about people who've wounded you. You think about how God has let you down and you look back at your past, right? And, and, and you'll be just going about your normal day and all of a sudden these, these this bitter feelings and thoughts, will, what are they? They're, they're trampling on you and they pack down your heart. They harden your heart. And then the very new future that God wants to plant in you and grow in you, it's impossible to grow because the, the ground's packed. And the enemy comes and just snatches that seed. And you're left kind of barren. But the good news is that the forgiveness that Jesus offers frees you from bitterness. It softens our hearts. It allows you to create a new future and receive what God wants to grow in your life. And so I have this jar of clay over here, way down in the end. And that represents pathway soil. It's just packed down. It's hardened. Verse 16, Jesus talks about the second kind of soil. It says, others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So the second soil in this parable, Jesus says, is rocky soil. It's shallow soil. There's no room for roots to grow deep. So the soil can receive the seed. It receives God's word. We, the heart hears God's word, receives it, and, and takes off. It has the appearance of health, but it doesn't survive. Because when times get tough and when the sun comes out, it scorches it and it, and it withers away. So what does this soil represent? This soil represents the person with a stony heart, where, where everything looks good on the surface, but underneath there's some things that are buried that are preventing them from being rooted in their faith. And I have personal experience with this one. I tell you, there have been times when the Holy Spirit has graciously dug up some stones in my life. Ones that I, I didn't even know were under there. They were buried. Things I hadn't repented of, things I haven't apologized for, things I hadn't yet made right, and he just graciously kind of digs them up, brings them to the surface, points them out. I remember one time several years ago, uh, I was praying one morning, and 
I had a memory of something that I hadn't thought of in 20 years. And I saw myself as an 11-year-old kid stealing cigarettes out of the corner store in my town. I lived in this little town, and we had one corner store. It was called Fish's IGA. And me and my friends, we concocted this plan where we could steal cartons of cigarettes at a time. So we would go in, and I would distract the cashier and talking about the little penny candies and how much each one cost, and my friends would take cartons of cigarettes and just put them in their shirts, and we'd go to our tree fort, and we'd smoke all day. And and I I hadn't thought of that in 20 years. Here I am sitting in prayer, and all of a sudden I see this flashback memory, and I'm like, what is, what's with that? And so I, I was at least walking with God long enough to realize, oh man, I should probably repent of that. Like, God, I'm sorry for doing that. But then I also knew that wasn't enough. And so uh, a couple days later, I got in my car and I drove back to my little hometown, which wasn't far away, and I went to Fish's IGA. I didn't know if it was going to be the same owner, but I just knew that I have to, I got to deal with this stone that the Holy Spirit pulled up, because I certainly didn't <laughs> remember that on my own, nor did I want to, <laughs> right? And so I, I asked if the owner was there um, behind the, the deli counter, and she said, no, she'll be back tomorrow. And I said, well, can I just leave a note? And so I had $200 cash with me, which, man, back then was like $1,000. <laughs> it was a lot of money to me. And I stuck it in an envelope, and I left this note, and I said, I don't know if you'll remember me or if you're even the same owner, but my name is Adam. I grew up in this town as a little kid, and I used to steal cigarettes from the store. And I'm a follower of Jesus now, and I was praying this morning, and I remembered this, and I want to apologize and make this right. And I just left my name. Well, a week or so later... I'm at my parents' house after church, and we're having a, like a family lunch, and their phone rings. And this owner of the store, this woman, had remembered the Avery family, because it was a small town, and somehow got my parents' phone number. And I just happened to be over there. I didn't live there at the time. I was married, had my own house. But I just happened to be there. And she talks to my dad for a little, for a little bit. I don't know who it is on the phone. She says, hey, it, it, I got this note from your son, Adam. And my dad goes, he's right here. So he puts me on the phone, and I'm like, oh, shoot. What's this conversation going to be like? And, and she says, are you Adam? I said, yeah, you are the one who left the note for me and the money. And I said, yeah. And she paused for a while. And then she said, I felt God when I read that note. And then she said, I haven't felt God in a very long time. And I reflected back at that prayer time. And I realized something that was life-changing. <laughs> that the Holy Spirit didn't dig up that stone to punish me. Or to, to torment me or ruin my prayer time. He did it because he wanted to take my dirt and turn it into soil. He wanted to grow something. In me, he wanted to make me more fruitful. But there was this rock that I'd buried. I didn't even re- I didn't even know it was there. And he graciously just dug it up and brought it to the surface and said, "See that? You're praying for a fruitful life. You're praying, you know, that you get to know me. You're praying that you you you, you get to minister to other people. But you got to deal with this because it's." 
It's limiting your fruitfulness. So I've got a jar of gravel. Stony. How many of you want to live fruitful lives? Right? See, the thing that I'm a little bit nervous about is there's probably some more stones under there that I don't know about yet. I'm sure he'll point them out when, he, when he's ready. And I'm in. I'm all in. I'm sold. I, I'm going to listen because I want my life to be fruitful. You want your life to be fruitful? It means you, you might have a stone or two that the Holy Spirit will bring up and just ask you to, to address. Verse 18 goes to another. Jesus points out a third type of soil here, a third type of person. He says, still others, like the seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things, come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. What's the problem with this soil is there's thorns, right? And the thorns are stealing all the water. So the soil's dried out. This soil represents the person with a distracted heart. And this is another one I have a ton of personal experience with. When I was a single young adult, um, I was sitting in a church service. It was a midweek service. We, the church that I grew up in, they had church in the middle of the week because Sunday wasn't enough. <laughs> they don't do that anymore. God shows up on Sunday powerfully enough that they don't have to do Thursday. <laughs> but I was sitting there on Thursday night, and the preacher was preaching this parable, the same parable. And he talked about the thorns, how they, how they choke and they, they steal. And um, I had something really strange happen to me. It was a life-changing experience, and it's really weird. It's never happened to me before that. It's never happened to me since. But I had what the Bible calls like a vision. I didn't know it was a vision. I'm just sitting there. I'm just a, a young adult, right? I'm sitting there, and I just think I'm daydreaming or I fell asleep or something. But I know it was something weird because I don't remember any of the sermon outside of when he talked about the thorns. And then in, in that church, they used to preach for like an hour, right? I, I, I try to do 30 minutes. And so um, it wasn't uncommon to daydream or maybe even doze off, but something happened. And, when, and when, the, when the service was over and everyone stood up, I kind of snapped out of it. I was like, whoa, that was, I think I just might have like been daydreaming that whole time. But I saw this vivid thing. I didn't know it was a vision, but it, but it was a vision. And here's what I saw. And it's just kind of weird, but I'll share it with you, right? Because it was really transformative in my life. Um, I was walking down a path and when he was talking about thorns choking out the life that God has in you, I, I saw myself walking down this path, and all of a sudden these thorns grew up, and they wrapped around my legs, and they pulled me under the, the ground. And I landed in this big cavern, this big pit, and once I brushed myself off, I was looking around, and I saw like piles and piles of cash, which was very exciting. And then I saw all of this like really nice high-end top-line musical gear. And I saw a red sports car, and there was this, I was a single young adult, there was this beautiful girl over by the sports car. Right? And I was thinking, wow, this is, a, this is cool. So I ran over to the, the money, and I started grabbing the money, and I went over to look at the instruments and grabbed one of the guitars and went over to the car to put it in the car, and I told the girl, come on, you got to help me. Look at, look at all this stuff. And then it occurred to me, I better look around a little bit more. And I saw 
this big kind of hole up at the surface with a ramp going up to it. And I thought, that's so cool. Like, this is, I'm going to get all this stuff out of here. And so I ran back to get some more. And I thought I'd look back at the hole because I was thinking about, well, am I going to get the car through, driving up that ramp? And I noticed that the hole was getting smaller. This is a weird thing to happen in church, right? When you doze off when I'm preaching, I'm just going to assume that you're having, like, visions and stuff like that. And, and, I, and I thought, whoa, that, that hole looks a little bit smaller. And I just kept looking at it. I noticed it was getting smaller. It was closing. And so I, I said to the girl, like, we got, we, we got to get all this stuff out of here quick. And I grabbed some more stuff, and I was walking, over, running over to the car, and I noticed it was even getting smaller, and the thought occurred to me, what good is all this stuff if I'm not alive? And so I just, like, dropped everything, and I ran as fast as I could up the ramp, and the hole was getting smaller and smaller, and I jumped out, and it closed up on my ankle. I pulled my leg up through and lost my shoe, and in my vision, I was just standing on the path with a sock on. And then everybody stood up in church, and I was like, what the heck? I just like fell asleep during this whole thing. What was that? And I still don't even know what it was. It was just the weirdest thing, right? Sometimes God just uses weird things to like, change our lives. And I, I just didn't even think anything about it. I just thought, wow, I did stay dream through that whole service. That was kind of weird. And later on in the week, I realized well, that could have been like God talking to me. Even though I was being bad and not paying attention to the sermon, and I realized the same thing that I realized in my vision, like all the things that what my heart really wanted, none of them could deliver what they promised. And no matter how much of the stuff that I cared about that I was chasing as a young person, none of it could give me life. That somehow those things were just distracting me from the life that God wanted to give me. And that was a life-changing experience for me. And here's the thing. I still walk among the thorns once in a while. You know what I mean by that? I still allow my heart to get distracted sometimes. Right? I see something I want, and all of a sudden, like, it starts as just something, oh, that would be cool. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking about it more and more and more. And then I'm starting to make decisions with my time and my resources and thinking about it. And then I'm like, I realize, see, here's what I've learned, is that God is really faithful at doing weeding in my life when I ask him to. And when there's thorns and when there's weeds that kind of grow up and they steal his living water, when they steal and choke out the life he wants to give me, he's really good at weeding when I ask him to. He's good at just pulling those, uprooting all those things that are just sucking the life out of me and I don't even know it. I just think they're nice plants. They're nice, it's green, right? And so for, for this soil, I've got this jar of sand because it represents just being dry. The water has just kind of been stolen from it and choked out. And then in verse 20, we read the fourth kind of soil, the fourth type of person or heart that Jesus talks about. He says, others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, they accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some a hundred times what was sown. Man, that is the life that I want, right? I'm not sure I'm there yet, but it's the life that I want. And, and this soil represents the person with a soft heart, with a healthy heart, where the fruit of the Spirit that Galatians talk about is starting to grow, right? The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians is love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, where those things are growing. And they're producing not just what was sown, but 30 and 60 and 100 times what God deposited. So I've got to draw our topsoil to represent that kind of soil. Well, let's turn our attention to, to these four jars for a second. And I need a volunteer who won't mind getting their hands a little dirty. I've got, I've got a bowl of water, so we can wash them off after. But I need somebody who's not afraid to stick their hand in the dirt. And I have a volunteer. Tim, come on up, Tim. Everybody, can we give a round of applause for Tim? So brave. We're going to blindfold Tim. I know. I think I would tell you that before I ask for a volunteer. And, and, and what we're going to do after we blindfold them is I'm going to hold up just a random jar here, and I'm going to ask you to stick your hand in there, pull some out, just kind of like, can't look at it, but you can kind of feel, you can even eat it, taste it, okay. smell it, uh, squeeze around. And he has to guess what kind of soil it is. All right? How do you think you're going to do? We're going to find out. We're going to find out. All right, let's try. All right. Come over to the table over here. Over here. Okay, right, Tim. Okay. Grabbing, grab a handful. What makes you think it's gravel? On the floor. <laughs> just like when I was a child. Okay, good. He's one for one. Can you just give a round of applause right, for that? Right, one right, for one. Right. Put it right in the jar. There you go. Awesome. Are you ready for number two? All right. Here we go. Nope, not that one. I got it. I got it. I got it. Hold on. Let me open it up. There you go. A good handful. Oh, that's sand. How do you know it's sand? Yep. Two for two. Way to go. You're rocking it. You're rocking it. Number three. Okay. You ready? All right. Go ahead. What do you think? That's topsoil. How do you know it's topsoil? Oh, it's got a little bit of weight to it. It's moist. Stuff's in there. <laughs> Boom. It's like topsoil. You nailed it, dude. You got it. Topsoil. Three for three. <laughs> Now, if you get this one wrong, then you didn't listen to my sermon one bit. You don't know what type of this fourth soil is. The final test. Here we go. There you go, buddy. Pretty dense. Four for four. Can we give him a big round of applause? <laughs> go ahead and take those. Nice job, Tim. You can take a blindfold off. So I don't have blindfolds here for, hey, Tim, here's a bowl of water if you want to wash them. There you go. Get all nice and clean. So I don't have blindfolds for everyone today, but I was thinking that we could try something similar to what Tim just did for us. So if I could just invite everybody to close their eyes just for a minute and take one of your hands and just open it up, put it out in front of you, and take a minute and imagine that the Holy Spirit is reaching down and taking a soil sample from your heart and he's putting it in your hand. Take a minute to investigate it. What kind of soil is it? Are you surprised at all by the type of soil that you feel? Maybe it's like the clay that's in this jar up here. Maybe it just feels kind of packed down, compact and hard. Because life has just been trampling on you lately. You've had disappointments. You've been made bitter. I want to tell you this. 
God wants to create a new future with you. He doesn't want your past to walk all over you anymore. Maybe in your hand it's not clay. Maybe the soil sample that, that's there is feeling a little bit more like sand. It's dry. Because you've allowed other things to distract you and choke out the life God has for you. And you're just desperately needing some living water. You need God to do some weeding. Because you know that he wants you to be more fruitful than that. Or perhaps you're, you're holding some rocky gravel in your hand. You know that there's some stones, there's some unfinished business that you've been putting off and it's limiting your fruitfulness. And God wants to give you the courage to repent, to ask him for forgiveness, to make restitution, to make things right. So you can grow some deep roots. So you won't wither when the sun comes out and, and things get tough and, and you won't get scorched. And there may be some people here that feel like you have topsoil in your hand. And I want to tell you this, that God wants to make your life even more fruitful than it is now. 30 times, 60 times, 100 times what he deposits in your life, he wants to make you that fruitful. Okay, open your eyes for a moment. There's one thing left that I got to tell you, and it's this. Only God can change your dirt into soil. You can't do it. You can try. It won't work. Only he can do that. You want to know why? Because he's the master gardener. He's good at what he does. And if he's going to turn our dirt into soil, we got to let him do his thing. So I'm going to close this with prayer. And here's the thing I'm going to pray for. I'm going to pray for honesty. I'm going to pray for humility. And I'm going to pray for courage that we'll need. For God to do that gardening. You guys willing to pray that with me? Okay, let's close our eyes one more time. We'll pray. God, we thank you for all of the things that you've grown in our lives. They're easy to recognize because they're all the good things. Lord, I don't think there's a person in this room, including myself, that, that doesn't recognize that our fruitfulness is somewhat limited by the soil that's in our heart. I've experienced all of these soils and sometimes I can't tell the difference until, until you reach down and, and, and take a soil sample and, and ask me to investigate it, which is what we're doing this morning. Well, God, would you come and give us the honesty and the humility and the courage we need to ask you to change our dirt into soil? take those barren parts of our life and make them fruitful. So God, I pray for all of my friends here this morning who, who are praying with me. Would you provide what we're not able to? We know you will, because that's what you do. You're a gardener. Lord, we, we want to live fruitful lives. So we just commit our hearts to you break up our fallow ground, pull up those stones, 
weed up those things that are sucking our life, the living water that you're, you're giving us. Kill up and soften everything that's hard. And we'll give you all the praise. We know it's you. And not our own doing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we... Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community.